You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining me on the Above180.com podcast is Brian O'Keefe. Brian is the facility manager at the IRTC Training Center down in Arlington, Texas. Brian and his team just finished up bowling as well at the USBC Open, finished with a very fine 34-20. So I thought it would be great to get Brian's thoughts and perspective on the USBC Open pattern and shot out in Reno. So, Brian, thank you for joining me tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me. Brian, I thought we'd join, uh, have you come on and talk with us tonight on the podcast. As your team, Cambridge One, just finished up at the USBC Open. You guys shot a very respectable number, a 34-20. And your team, yep. of course, is made up with uh, yourself, uh, your wife, Shannon, Ron Nelson Jr., Bill Webb, and Chris Vialli. Um, one of the things that kind of had some folks on Facebook, some of your friends and some, some people in general on Facebook, kind of just uh, questioning was uh, the commentary by Matt McNeil during the podcast, during that first, or during the the video stream of the the Bowl.com event, where he just kind of thought you guys were starting out and were a little bit further left than what you would need to be, and it was going to create some troubles for you in that third game. Now, I actually went back and watched the third game because I was in and out on Saturday evening during your your live stream, but I went back and watched it, and you guys actually did end up further left than than what a lot of teams had ended up, but it seemed like you guys still had a really nice shot. So was that kind of your plan going in, that the lanes were just, you guys were just kind of chase it left? Well, I think really, you know, that's it's, it's kind of funny. There's been a little bit of hoopla, I guess you could say, in the social media world of through, you know, I think it was more our companion team. Uh, you know, a few of them maybe thought he was being a little harsh about their skill level and, uh, you know, kind of what they've done in the game, but uh, yeah, overall, I mean, I think they hooked a little bit more down lane than what we expected, but really our game plan was to break down 7, 8, 9 and play a little bit left of that. You know, it's a 41-foot pattern, so we didn't feel that we needed to play right of 5. Um, we felt like, you know, there was going to be a hold left of us because of the pattern distance and the volume. We really need to break them down so far to the right. So really, in the grand scheme of things, we weren't far off of where we were thinking the only thing I would say was that lane 28, the lane right next to kind of the walkway from the back, was hooking a little more down lane than we expected. So we had to play a little deeper than that. But uh, I, I was looking around eight or nine, and I generally hit about three boards left of them. Uh, I think my ball was crossing right about 12, and I think a lot of the other guys on our team were crossing right about there as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
my wife was crossing about seven, eight, nine. So she pretty much stayed right where we tried to break them down at. But yeah, um, you know, Matt obviously was, is entitled to an opinion. He's done wonderful things at the open, at the open championships over the last couple of years. But, um, overall, it really kind of went how we wanted. Um, I wouldn't say so we made it may have been a board or two deeper than what we thought we were going to be, but in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, if we would have been team to start, then yeah, that would have had me a little bit worried, but overall playing 12, you know, 10, 11, 12 to start, I knew we were always going to be moving into hold. So, um, you know, like last year we played about five to break them down. And this year with a couple foot longer of a pattern, we knew that we were going to have hold to move into. And really we, you know, if anybody got, I don't think the ball went left of 20, even in the 10th frame in the last game. So really in the grand scheme of things, we started at 12 and ended up about 18 or 19. So, you know, only about six or seven boards total. Well, and, and as someone watching this stream, you know, completely removed from the situation, aside from being a bowler and, and someone who's going to be bowling the open coming up here soon. The thing that I found a little bit refreshing is Matt, like you said, he, he does have his opinion and he's not afraid to, express it whether it's right or wrong as, as a you know you're a big sports fan a Husker fan and that's something that I think as a, as a as someone sitting back and watching even if they're wrong frankly sometimes it's at least someone who's who's giving their opinion and getting out there and ultimately with you guys you know I think what not to not to speak for Matt because we had him on last week uh, discussing everything and I think you guys have such a great skill level and, and your companion team as well that you guys could get further left and it wouldn't affect you as much as some of your teams that might not have the skill level and maybe the you know the uh, ability to change their access rotation and change you know change ball motion and ball shape like you guys can so I, I think sometimes again that's just my opinion that that's maybe where, where Matt may have been coming from now I don't know that for a fact but just just my thoughts on the whole situation and and um and again, it seemed like you know you guys had a really nice shot. And like you said, watching that, there were still people like like your wife and still other folks on your companion team that were still playing relatively straight at the end of that third game. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, bring up a great point. Um, you know, he you know we talked about you know how much surface we are going to use, and our team in general can get away with using more surface than I think a lot of teams can. Be. Uh, three or four of the players on our team have higher access tilt. And the big thing with access tilt is that creates a lot of length. And if you have, you know, a slick pattern with a lot of volume, you know, the front part of the lane doesn't generally hook too much at the stadium. So um, what we want to do is make our ball slow down in the right spot. For example, my wife, you know, she's basically lived the last 10 years of her life with 500 grit on her ball. So, you know, on the fresh, her using, you know, a used 500 pad or a new 1,000 pad is nothing that is out of the ordinary. And the same thing with Bill Webb. Uh, you know, Bill Webb is a higher tilt player. He doesn't have a lot of access rotation. So in terms of where his hand is, he's more up the back of the ball, but his wrist is just sort of cocked when he releases it. That's his normal and natural release. So, you know, the ball is generally going to skid out of the line and really easy. So he needs a little bit of surface to slow it down. So, you know, I think Matt was talking a lot about how much surface we used. And, I mean, 100%, Matt has his opinion. I have my opinion. Um, we definitely don't have to agree. You know, if anything was... Uh, looking out of the ordinary in terms of people playing at 15 or 16 to start, we would have definitely said something in terms of, hey, you know, we may want to try and keep everybody to the right. But, you know, that's the way we kind of break them down every year. We're not, we're not a team. We don't all throw it the same. So we're not a team that's going to be right on top of each other. Like, you know, not everybody's going to be playing at eight. 
you know, we're going to have a few people a little farther right that throw it a little harder and don't have quite as much rev rate. And then, like myself, who is a little bit with a slower ball speed, still kind of stuck a little bit of, you know, hit up on at the bottom where generally I need to get a little farther away from the friction just so my ball doesn't read it so fast. So, you know, we're not the team that's going to be breaking them down all exactly the same, but, you know, sometimes that works in our favor because we blend them out more, a little more as opposed to making them, you know, wet, dry, so to speak, like where it's really dry if we miss to the right and then really tight if we miss left. So, you know, it's worked well in the past. Uh, last year we ended up finishing fourth overall and the year before that, we finished fifth overall. So the last two years, we've had a lot of success, and we've had a lot of success the last game. So whatever we're doing in terms of breaking the lanes down, I think it's, you know, it's working for us, and, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody has to do it that way, but that's just the way that we've gone about it, and thankfully it's worked. Well, exactly, and like you said, you guys, uh, this year shot 1184. Your last game ended with 3420, which right now you guys are shooting in fourth place. Did you guys think, you know, when you saw that big number that Lodge Lanes 2 put up, did you, um, what were your thoughts going in that you could, you could match them? Because even on the, on the, the, when you watched what, you know, Matt told us, he thought they left 3,600 out there. He thought if they, you know, they missed a couple spares, they could have been, you know, they left some pins on the lane. So obviously that's a huge number and, and, but you guys had to, again, with the talent and caliber that you guys have, you had to think, look, if they can do it, we can do it too. Yeah, when it was, it's funny that you bring that up because I had a few conversations with some uh, people. With Derek Oath is one in particular that we were texting back and forth after that Team Bowl 3500, and I was like, "Man, that's huge!" And you know, he was like, "Well, I think you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, if there's 3500 out there for one team, it means there's 35 out there, 3500 out there for a few teams." And I was like, "Yeah, but you know, and I both a pretty good league team back in the BFW area. And if we pull 3,500 on a league shot, yeah, that's a pretty good night for us. So just to assume that every good team is going to go bowl 3,500 is, you know, taking a big leap of faith there to think that. But with that being said, now that I've bowled, and our team really didn't give a, a lot of pins away. I missed, I was the only one to miss the spare in, I think, the sixth or seventh frame in the first game. I missed a 610. Just a really bad shot. But that was the only spare we missed as a, group so we didn't give pins away in terms of missing spares but i mean i think it's just about trying to get your ball to face up the right way now that we've bowled analyst is actually the one doing the lanes here at the intercollegiate championship where i'm at in lincoln nebraska and uh you know he i, I said to him i said i'm a little worried about your score man because i think now that i bowled there's so many good teams you know so many good teams all over the u.s and a couple of, you know, I guess people are calling them super teams that have been put together this year. Call them whatever you will. I call them good bowlers. And, uh, you know, you get those five guys and, you know, I think everybody's going to be all the better teams that come in there with the right game plan and just have experience of bowling on that type of stuff. They're not going to have a problem hitting a pocket. It's just about whether or not they can get lined up to kind of get their ball to go through the right phase of the ball motion and get their ball into a roll as it gets to the pins and really knock them all over because the getting to the pocket part wasn't all that difficult. Throw a four bag or throw five, three or four frames and go, you know, leave a plaque 10 or like a half 10 pin and then a ring 10 and then a four pin. And then before you know it, we're only blowing 220 when it looked like we could have been blowing 250. So um, yeah, even, even in the league house condition, that's not an easy score to get to. So we'll see. We'll play it out. Well, let's um let's hit to your double singles and and you know you, you still ended up twenty sixty seven for your all event score you know doubles you had uh, 
doubles it looks like. Let's see here. Doubles, you guys, I'm seeing your, your combined score of 1267. Looks like you had 652 and then 739 in singles. So uh, help help the Above180.com listeners uh, attack the lanes for doubles and singles because we saw where you are playing. If we go and watch the team pattern, how would you guys attack them for doubles and singles? Well, you know, obviously working at the training center, uh, we have the ability to put out the pattern quite a bit. Now, we didn't have the new oil, but, you know, that's one thing I I I wouldn't have a problem saying is that if you wouldn't have told me that there was a new oil in the lane, I wouldn't have had any clue. Um, to me, it didn't really do much different um, than any of the other oils that have been used in the past. So I think that whole new oil thing might might be getting blown a little out of proportion. Um, but I didn't get to bowl on the new oil once before we went uh, bowled on the pattern many times. And so with that being said, the doubles and singles pattern to me played almost identical to last year's pattern maybe a little bit more hook overall than last year, but pretty dang close. So uh, because we only had six on a pair instead of 10, I think it was harder to break them down how we broke them down last year. You know, we all played right last year. We all we were all between four and seven through the front part of the lane last year. And because there was only six of us, um, I think some of the guys wanted to get off to a little better start than almost sacrificing the first five frames. So, um, myself and my wife Shannon played right at five, but I did it with urethane. <clears throat> Last year I used a, an oldie that I bring up, brought out from the relics, a pink stingray. I used it the first two games last year in a team event, and this year because the pattern played so, cl- I felt it was going to play so close. I brought it again, and sure enough, I used it the first game again this year. Um, I bowled 217 clean with a triple. It did everything I wanted to do. Uh, kept me out of trouble. And it allowed me to play farther to the right without kind of, you know, playing too far left too early, which I've heard a couple teams have had a tendency to do. So I wanted to stay to the right as long as I could. But the other guys, you know, unless you're as kind of as accurate as my wife tends to be playing out there with resin, you know, she's really clean at the bottom and has no problem going straight up the lane, up the up the gutter. So uh, those guys played between, I'd say, about 10 or 12 for the front part of the lane. And and they were difficult to start. Much flatter pattern, miss right, and if there wasn't much recovery, grab it a little bit at the bottom and miss a little inside of the target, and she definitely wanted a hook. So they struggled a little bit the first game, and I found a way to bowl two, two team clean. And then after I bowled the first game, I switched to uh, a stronger resin bowling ball, the one I actually finished with in team event, and moved into where those guys were. So probably crossing about 13 at the arrows and getting it to rate about 5. And then after that, we just kept trying to make you know, parallel moves for a little bit and then sort of angular moves after that. So maybe you know, one and one, two and two, and then maybe three and two after that. But then once we got to about 15 at the arrows, we had to start opening up the angles and hooking a little bit more through the lane. Well, and that's actually one thing that we've had a couple of folks on when they've dissected the doubles and singles pattern. Uh, Mo Pinnell and, and Matt McNeil both thought the way to attack them was staying for the right, like you said. And then they almost said, uh, well, Mo, Mo, when we had him on, he had thought that really the area between, you know, say – he had thought anywhere like seven, eight, nine, anywhere kind of close to that track area might have been out of bounds. Like you'd have to almost jump over that and move into 10, 11, 12 or move further in. So you'd want to avoid the, you know, those almost like those four, four boards in essence, uh, at least to start with because they were so touchy, like you said, and it sounds like you want to start right then for double singles. If you're a, you know, a, any sort of player, like you said. Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, you know, because of, like the team all event score is so high right now, and 
you know, people, you know, they, they panic a little bit. They get a little bit scared because the, the ball reaction isn't going to be good to start doubles. You know, that's for sure. Um, you know, they're hard. So you have to throw a really good shot. Um, so I think a lot of people panic and move left a little too fast. Uh, but, you know, they also look at the scores that need to be bold, and they don't want to sort of play to the right and not necessarily have a good ball reaction. And, you know, bowl 160 or 170 their first two games when they know, you know, the team doesn't score well over 10,000 and, you know, the double score is 1,400. So, you know, it's just a little bit, you know, how the bowler is itself. You know, if you're a person that likes to hook it a little bit more and, you know, struggles playing, you know, maybe playing 12 as your best bet and then just moving left from there. But if you're capable in a straighter up the lane, for sure, I think, you know, you can find a reaction right around five and just go on right up the lane. Well, great, Brian, and want to hit on a few more things here before we head off. Uh, Brian O'Keefe again joining us on the Above180.com podcast. Brian, would you like to share just, you know, the, we got some folks probably very interested in your, your drilling and your, you know, your drilling angles and how you had your pieces laid out. If you'd like to share it, you can. Uh, if not, though, I completely understand if, if you'd rather keep that, uh, you know, to yourself. No, yeah, I have no problem with that. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't know the drilling angles off the top of my head, but it's a, I use the wicket encounter to start team event. And then I actually switch to a weaker wicket, wicket encounter. As you can tell, probably wicket encounter is one of my favorite balls in the Columbia line. Uh, so I went to a weaker drilled one. Um, and then I actually went back to the stronger one in the middle of the third game because my ball just wasn't reading soon enough. Uh, so in team event, I use wicket encounters only. Uh, the pin down one, because it is pinned down, I would say it's a little bit bigger drilling angle and uh, or a little bit tighter drilling angle and a little bit uh, bigger VAL angle, but I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. And I think I had maybe a fresh 2,000 on it or maybe a used 1,000 on it, so a little bit of surface. But once again, I, I my ball doesn't tend to read the front part of the lane very well. Uh, I have a little bit more than the average X rotation. So I need my ball to slow down a little bit easier. So I uh, I can generally get away with using a little more surface to start. And then once I went to the weaker one, which is pin up uh, slightly right, maybe a five-inch pin from my axis, and that drilling, that VAL angle will be a little bit smaller of the VAL angle on that ball. And it worked really good the second game, but towards the end of the second game, it started to go, just get a little bit wiggly in front of the pocket. So I actually went to a, back to the stronger one to get it to read sooner so it would just face the pocket and roll to the pins. And then in doubles, like I said, I used the stingray. Uh, so the drilling angles and everything on that pink stingray, uh, it's just think of my ring finger. Um, like I said, it's original from 1991. That's actually one of my favorite balls for the 37, 38, 39 foot patterns right on the fresh. I have a couple undrilled ones still at the house for when this one kind of bails on me. And then after that, I went right back to the stronger wicked encounter that I used. So really, I only used two different bowling balls. Now I'd use three different bowling, two of the same ball and three different, or three different drillings, two different drillings on that wicked encounter, but really only two different bowling balls total. And Brian, I want to hit on something. I, I had a, a follow-up to the uh, question that you, when you had mentioned, when you had talked about practicing down at the, uh, the training center and how you guys actually don't have that new Kegel ice oil, because I know that's one thing that you know uh, the people that are trying to mimic the pattern by putting it out at their local center it's like well this is going to play kind of close but you're not going to have that keg of ice so you know that's going to hold up a little bit longer and there's going to be you know differences and so on and you got to plan for that but you're saying you didn't really notice much a difference 
in, in the the new kegelite soil because much has been made of that. Yeah, exactly. I if you would have told me if you would have said this it was Infinity or Prodigy or whatever oil, well, not really Prodigy, but if you would have told me it was Infinity oil, I would have believed you. You know, I couldn't really tell much difference. If anything, when we started, because we were using a little bit of surface, they broke down a tad faster towards the end of the first game than we thought. Uh, well, we, if you watch the live stream back, we start leaving a few four pins and a few guys go high on some decent shots. But um, then once we sort of made the move left and got away from 12 and started playing like 14 or 15, you know, the lanes didn't break down a ton. So maybe then I could say possibly I saw some effects of the ice oil that they didn't really transition much after that point. Uh, because really, like I said, we started at 12 and ended up at like 18 with the same bowling ball. So in the grand scheme of things, with 10 players on a lane today, with as much as these balls absorb oil, only moving six boards with eyes over the in block, to me, isn't very a lot. To some people, it may be, but uh, generally through a course of a three-game night of the league, I'm moving my eyes a lot more than six left. So uh, maybe you could see that ice oil sort of held up a little bit better there. But, um, for example, last year in team event, uh, we never threw a ball left of 15 at the end of the third game. So, and that was a different oil, and we still didn't have to play that far left. So I think, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people are, not that it's to understate about the new oil, but a lot of people are more worried than they probably need to be. Um, you're still blowing up. Still, you know, the oil's still oil. Uh, just read your ball reaction and try and watch it go through the pin so that you can make the best adjustments possible for a pin carry because I think that's the biggest thing, especially in team event. If you can get your ball to go through the pins, then you're going to bowl a decent score. And, Brian, we got, um, you know, about a little over two months, two months and some change left in the tournament. You guys right now are sitting in fourth place. Where do you expect to end up when this thing is all said and done here? I mean, like you said, there's some big teams left to come out there. I mean, uh, number one, I mean, do you think that, I mean, is a team like, uh, uh, you know, some of the teams coming out there, are they going to put a run at that 35-38? I mean, 35-38, 35-21, 34-99. I mean, would you guys think you're going to end up probably in the top 15? Is, is that probably a fair number for you guys, or do you guys have any yeah, any thoughts on that? That's Yeah, that's exactly the number that I said. Uh, I think probably top 15. I, I'm generally on the pessimistic side when it comes to school. Uh, in my nature is that uh, I tend to think on the pessimistic side sometimes. So I would think, you know, to the halfway point of the tournament, but, uh, you know, we're in fourth now, double that means eight, and then possibly with the amount of, you know, a lot of really, really good teams that come out. So I would say probably top 15, which which is fine by me. Uh, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is showing up and bowling three games, uh being in the top 15 for three years in a row and, you know, the top 20 two years before that. Um, so I think our team's kind of doing the right thing. Just hopefully one of these years we can break through and, and just put it away and put everything together. But, yeah, I would say top 15 in that would be about where I would look as well. Well, Brian, we're going to have to have you back on because we did not even have you uh, have you discuss some of your responsibilities with Team USA. Uh, we got, we got to get you on again sure. sometime to discuss all the stuff that you know we can help bowlers help the you know the 170, 180, 190 average bowler. Because like I um, again, like we were talking uh, before we 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 got going here. Uh, make sure you check out the Bowler Journal. 
the Bowler's Journal International, uh, the, the online magazine, there's a really great little feature you do for folks uh, regarding tape, which is something a lot of the people listening to this are going to say, tape, are you kidding me? Who doesn't know about tape? But it's something that a lot of bowlers, they neglect or they, they just forget or, or as time goes on. So we're going to have to have you back on, kind of talk about some of that stuff and some of the stuff that uh, you know can really help our bowlers to uh, take their game to that next level and keep people involved in loving our sport. Yeah, Tim, without a doubt, it'd, it'd be my pleasure. You know, our, our main goal at the ITRC is to create lifelong bowlers and make them better. So, yeah, anything, uh, you know, anytime you want to talk about uh, coaching or whatever it may be, just uh, give me a shout. I'd be happy to come on. All right, for Brian O'Keefe, Tim Burt, good luck and good bowling. <laughs>